Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. On today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, we're going to review the brand new Will Ferrell dog comedy, Strays. Also, Apple TV Plus's brand new live action Godzilla series has a title, a synopsis, and its first images. Mario Brothers has passed $100 million in Japan, not just passing the century mark, but also becoming Universal's number one film ever in the market of Japan. And the brand new upcoming Ahsoka series, we got a list of all the directors of the various episodes. We'll talk about that and a whole bunch more. The John Campy Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie-related show on the planet, the John Campy Show podcast, coming to you from right here in our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I'm, of course, your host, John Campy, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you our international friends gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world. Movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of good stuff. Not just giving you our opinions, but giving you information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. Uh, joining me in studio today, we got Ray Aura. Yeah, Blue Beetle, baby. Now we're seeing that in a couple hours. Jonathan Voiko's here. Got my blue on. The delightful Chris Carr is in the house. No blue, only pink for Barbie forever. Oh, <laughs> and most <man>. importantly... <laughs> You guys are here. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Here's how the show's going to go. We're going to start off by talking about those topics we listed off, and then we're going to take questions from our YouTube channel members, which we always go to our YouTube channel members every day. We ask them to send in their topics and questions, and we address as many of them as we can at the end of the show. I want to remind you guys, if you are watching this show on our YouTube channel, we have an audio-only podcast, which is the best way to consume the show, simply called the John Campy Show Podcast, on your favorite podcasting app of choice, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcasting app is. Go and search for the John Campy Show Podcast, subscribe to it, so that audio feed will be there when you need it. All right. Ray mentioned in about, uh, what time's it right now? In about two hours and 20 minutes, we are going to be sitting down to watch Blue Beetle. Very excited about that. We'll do our out of the theater review. That'll go up a little bit later today. But last night we went to go see the brand new Will Ferrell, Jamie Foxx led dog movie, live action dogs with the little animated moving mouths called Strays. <laughs> a very R rated movie that even in a poster, they make sure to emphasize so no parents take little Lisa and Jimmy to go see it. Uh, very much an R-rated movie. Let me emphasize again. This is very much an R-rated movie. Um, now, as of right now, Ray, you might want to look it up, yeah. see what Strays... When I last checked, Strays had a, let's call it at best mediocre rating at 57%. Critic rating. It's at uh, 60%. Oh, it's right gone now. up. With 56 reviews. All right. It's gone up. Because I'll tell you right now, I think this movie is wonderful. I loved this movie. Now, let, let me say up front, really vulgar humor 
is not for everybody. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's totally great. And I completely understand that if really vulgar humor is not your cup of tea, this movie will not work for you as well as it did for me. All right. But for me, uh, one other caveat, if you're not a dog owner, you also may not, there may be some of the jokes that go over your head. There are some jokes in here that truly only a dog owner will get is even a joke, but there are some very deep cut dog owner jokes in this that made us howl, but howling we did. No pun intended. Uh, my laugh per minute ratio in this movie was almost as high as uh, Joy Joyride. Oh, Joyride. Joy oh, Trip. dang. Joyride. Not as high. Not mm -hmm. as funny as Joyride. Okay. But it was almost as high. I don't know what it is. Comedies have really struggled over the past five, six, seven years. This year, we've had some comedies that I've. First of all, now two comedies that I'm desperately in love with, Joyride and now Strays. I love, 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 love these comedies. Then there was a couple of other little comedies. Um, no Hard Feelings. No Hard Feelings. That was a good little comedy. It wasn't great. Right. That was a good little comedy. Uh, and then what was it? The Blackening? The Blackening. Yes, The, the Blackening. Blackening. Again, not great, but a good little comedy. This for me has been a pretty darn good year for comedies. Okay, so getting to this. First of all, uh, is that Will Arnett? Who's uh, no? It's not Will Arnett. Who's the Who's the owner in Strays? It's uh oh god. Let me I'm freezing you. on his name. It's not Will Arnett. Will Forte. Will Forte. Thank you. Will Forte is awesome as the vile, evil. I believe the character's name is Doug. Uh, as just a horrible dog owner. And, you know, somebody yesterday wrote in and said, you will never listen to Miley Cyrus's song Wrecking Ball the same again. Dead true. Dead true. I will never hear that song the same way again. Whenever I hear that song, I will think of something that involves Doug in this movie. And I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that, not give away any spoilers. Randall Park as the voice of the big dog with the cone on his head. Positively delightful. Oh, yay. Uh, Isla Fisher as the shepherd kind of dog there. Absolutely delightful. Jamie Foxx kills it. Some of my favorite moments in the movie are when Jamie Foxx and Will Ferrell, who's, who plays Reggie, the one with the red bandana, uh, whenever they see a postman, just the profanity-laden spewing of hatred. That, it just killed me every single time. And in the midst of all that, some legitimate moments that make you feel really good. And not just from the laughing, but like some really good moments in the film that put a smile, put a smile on your heart sort of thing. Um, odd little cameos here, there be they just voice cameos or Rob Riggle. Uh, uh, Rob Riggle was, oh, was he the dog? The, was the cop dog? Was the I cop think, dog? I think. And Sophia Vergara was the couch. The oh, Lila. that's who she was. The I was wondering Lila. if she was the Afghan, but she was the couch. Okay. Um, that makes sense now, but like all the, the little appearances all added something to it. There's this dog that they come across at a County fair that has a punchline that we kept ta We talked about in the car drive <laughs> home afterwards. I mean, uh, again, it's the sheer laugh per minute ratio of it. Also how they got these dogs to be, have you been to animal actors at universal? So yes. now defunct Anne's almost positive. Reggie was one of those dogs. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, and I, I don't, I wouldn't doubt that that was one because we went to that a lot before they closed it down. But 
the the dogs themselves were Wait, amazing. Animal actors got shut down. Yeah, you didn't no. know that? No, I didn't know. Yeah, that like six months ago, they had their final what? performance and Come they on. shut it no. down. Yeah, yeah, they yeah the they're building something else. It was really How sad. dare you? Anne was so upset. We we used to have Logan go with us because he really hates birds so much. Yeah. And we'd just sit and laugh at Logan. That was my favorite part of that when they bring out the Harry Potter owls. Oh, yeah. And they like fly right over. Oh, the owls, he was like, you stay over there. I respect you. It's when it's the birds at the end that fly out the back where he's like, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this no is way. not good. But I, Oh, man. The, yeah, so the dogs themselves were great. The animation, the CGI on their mouths moving was impeccable. Like, really, really well done. I mean, it's not an important part of the movie, but it makes sure it never pulled you out of the movie with some weird lip work on the dogs or something. It always felt really organic and very real. Um, I, I don't know what else to tell you. This is not a movie that we are going to be talking about seven years from now. But it does what the core responsibility of a movie is. You go out to the movie theater... You sit down and hopefully you walk out having had a really good experience. And I cannot speak for the 40% of the film critics that watched this and clearly didn't like it. Again, it's not for everybody. No problem. No problem. It is not for everybody. But if you are anything like me, um, I think you're going to have, if you like films like Step Brothers or uh, Ron Burgundy, the, the legend of Ron Burgundy, Anchorman. If you like movies like that, I think you can go into this movie and I think you're going to laugh a lot. Ray, I don't think you liked it as much as me, but I heard you laughing a lot in that Well, theater. because there's a lot of parts in it that, like, if you really like dogs, like, like they, they kind of tug at your heartstrings a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. With a, um, with a treatment, sometimes bad, of owners. Um, but you know what? It was, it started off slow for me, but towards the end, it it was just the ball just kept getting bigger and bigger, and then I was full blown all in by the end. But yeah, it's I think it's a good movie if you're a dog lover, especially you got to see this movie. Oh yeah, it's especially. different. And you raise a good point because a lot of these movies can start off strong, and then as you get towards the payoff, they start to to fizzle out. This one just kept building and building and building. And I'm gonna say this: where it went better and like it, it built up, none of it was in the trailer. So don't worry. Like, like, oh yeah, when we were worried like, that all the best parts of the trailer, right? The best parts are, are not, not in, the, in trailer. the trailer of this movie. Yep. That's good. Like, not in the least. There's a couple of moments that I kind of wish weren't in the trailers, like Bug. That's the Jamie Fox dog saying, "How can this get any worse?" And then the eagle comes yeah. down and and picks him up. I kind of wish that wasn't in the trailer, but still, the audio when that happened, I don't know if anybody else in the audience had seen it because the audience was howling at that. Yeah. Anyway. Very Oh, and there's my favorite scene in any movie ever involving rabbits. I'm going to say my favorite scene in any movie ever that involves rabbits. Mm. I'll leave it there. You'll see what I'm talking about. I love this movie. I can't recommend it highly enough. But again, only 60% of the critics like it, so it may or may not be your cup of tea. Your mileage may vary. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this, shall we? You know, one big project, uh, no pun intended, that is coming that we really don't hear a lot of buzz about and we really honestly around here don't talk about a lot is that there is a live action Apple TV plus Godzilla series coming. That's right. And they have now put out the official title, the synopsis, 
and our first images of the show. The name of the show is going to be Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. This comes to us from CBR. Monarch, Monarch, Legacy of Monsters is set after the thunderous battle between Godzilla and the Titans that leveled San Francisco and the shocking revelation that monsters are real. So I'm assuming this is before Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, anyway, uh, per the official synopsis, the series follows two siblings following in their father's footsteps to uncover their family's connection to the secretive organization known as Monarch. Clues lead them into the world of monsters and ultimately down the rabbit hole to Army Officer Lee Shaw, played by both Kurt and Wyatt Russell. We thought that maybe they were going to play father and son. They're not. They're playing the same character. Which I love. Which is really interesting. Taking place in the 1950s and half a century later, where Monarch is threatened by what Shaw knows. The dramatic saga spanning three generations reveals buried secrets and the ways that the epic earth-shattering events can reverberate through our lives. I got to tell you, as far as just a straight-up synopsis goes, that's pretty baller. I, I like that synopsis. That sounds great. And the whole thing that they now reveal to us, because again, I was for sure thought we were going to see the Russells playing father and son, but seeing that they're playing an older and younger version of the same character is kind of, although I do have to admit, I was kind of looking forward to seeing the two of them act together on yeah. screen, but whatever. And at the same time, we got a couple of our first images. So let's take a look at these. There's a look at Kurt Russell. Um, Obviously, something's going on in this picture, but this is the money shot here, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, no, not that one. Sorry. <laughs> well, Discount be. Captain America. Walmart Captain America there, ladies and gentlemen. I think he's going to be great. Oh, in that's this. him. Huh? Yeah. Yep. This one. This shot. Oh. This is a TV series, guys. Yes, sir. Um, app, and listen, here's the thing that I don't want us to lose sight of. This is on Apple TV+. Plus. Apple TV's Plus very short track record is nothing short of fantastic. The shit that they have been putting out has been stellar. Absolutely phenomenal. Is this one a roll of the dice? Yes. Do I have my apprehensions and doubts about how good this one will be? Yes. But the fact that it's on Apple TV Plus has given me a little bit of hope when you see like people like the Russell's ball and you see an image like this, that just looks so freaking great. <laughs> this looks so good. Um, Ray, I know I just said, we've been kind of guilty about not talking a lot about this, but you have been very focused on this series. What do you think about what we've, the title, the synopsis and what we're seeing here? I'm just happy we see Godzilla in one of the photos. Like remember the first Godzilla where it took like, an hour, two hours to even see him. And then like, we only saw moments of him. Right. Like, I'm so happy that they have a shot of him. Um, I'll save a uh, spot for you in the, you know, in the ride. Like On the, the bandwagon? Yeah, the creator. <laughs> you could sit right next to me. I, I'm going to love this series. I I, I I like these two actors. Um, I, I'm very excited. You know Invasion Season 2, which nobody liked? I liked. I didn't even uh, know Invasion got a season two. Yeah, it, it premieres yeah, the, at go. the end of this month. I'm gonna. I'm excited for that. So, this is gonna be. Uh, now, by the way, as of right now, there is no official release date. They haven't announced a premiere uh, date for this yet. So, I'm, I'm hopefully with the release of official images and stuff like that, we're about to get a release date. What if they pull like one of the surprises? Oh yeah, so the Godzilla 
or Monarch uh, Legacy of Monsters is dropping on Friday. It, like, I don't know. There'll probably be a few do, months Do out. we have to question the runtime here? It's going to be like an hour, right? Every episode, do you think? Well, Apple? listen, everything except for sitcoms on Apple tend to be longer episodes. Is Ted Lasso 30 Even, minutes an episode? Ted Lasso. Sometimes they go as long Sometimes. as an hour, but that's more yeah. like a sitcom kind of show. Yeah. It started at like a half hour. Now they're yeah. final Yeah, now they did them quite long. Um, by the way, side note, remember how I said, uh, this is a total side note, forgive me, but I, I need to get this out. Remember we were talking about how, how when the finale of Ted Lasso was coming out, they changed the wording of it from series finale to season finale. Right. So I don't know if you saw, but one of the directors of Ted Lasso just said, uh, this is the end, dot, dot, dot. This is the end for now. Pretty much confirming that we're going to get more Ted Lasso, which again, the very fact that they changed the wording from series finale to season season finale. Anyway, that was just an Apple TV Plus thing. Chris. Yes. Yes, Chris. Yeah. Where have you, like, have you been excited for this series? What do you think about the title, the synopsis, the images? Has this gotten you more excited? What do you think? I'm so excited about this. <laughs> I love Kaiju. I love Kaiju <laughs> Destroying Cities. It's amazing. I love them so, so much. Um, my best friend, Megan, is a huge Godzilla fan, too. So I usually, like, talk lore with her because she knows all the huge backstory. Like, I, I love Kong. I just watched Skull Island, that animated uh, version of it on Netflix. I just love the MonsterVerse and I want it to be done well. That's all I want. And it's one of those things, right, where you think, how hard can this be? It's just monsters destroying things. Just give me that. (laughs) Just give me that and I'm fine. And then sometimes we drop the ball on that. And this looks so promising. To your point, Apple so far has had a wonderful track record and they have really high production value on what they do too. Yeah. My hope here as well is we kind of take more of a Cloverfield approach to showing the monster. Right? We see bits and pieces of the kaiju. We see maybe out-of-focus shots every now and then, and then we save for those great, wonderful money shots. Same kind of way that like House of the Dragon would do dragons and things too, right? right you have right. those nice close-ups, and then for the most part, they're clouded in shadow and everything, so we're not blowing the budget. We're also not getting taken out of it by how uncanny everything looks. I'm really excited, too, about the whole same role situation here for Kurt and Wyatt. Oh, with the Russells. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Wyatt Russell... I. I always feel so bad because people talk about how, oh gosh, I hate that guy because he's so good oh, in Falcon 100%. and the Winter Soldier. Yes. It's one of those things where people just can't separate him from the art. And that is such a testament to what a wonderful, wonderful actor he is. Look at that smug son of a bitch. Right? Just want to punch him in that face. Oh, he's so but that's because good. he portrayed it so well. He's so, so great. He's so talented. And he's, you know, we live in a time where there's a lot of talk about Nepo babies and everything. This guy is so talented. Yes, he's got that Russell name. Yes, he comes from Hollywood royalty, but he backs it up with talent. So I am just over the moon about this show. Now, the one thing I'm worried for Ray about is, to your point about how they may handle the kaiju, notice that the title of this is not Godzilla, Monarch, whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought about that. This is about the human organization focusing on human characters in a world of monsters, we're going to get Godzilla. We're going to get some monsters. I, I just worry that there are going to be some people who go into this expecting, let's say it's a 45-minute episodes, that 20 of those 45 minutes, every episode is going to be of giant kaiju monsters fighting. I don't think that's what this series is going to be. Can, can I put something out? Um, I don't expect this to be like monsters like battling every, every, every shot. Like with natural disaster movies, I think the best part is the build up to it. Mm, so if you have the building right. shake and human reaction to 
something that you don't see, I I love that stuff. That gets that gets the tingles in my back, you know, yeah. like, you know, they find the big the big uh, track mark first. Right. You know, they, something's rumbling, but you don't see it like the, you know, oh, we found a crack in the building. What could have caused it's this? It's monster movie foreplay. Yeah. yeah, that's that's exactly what I want from this. I don't need guts the next all the time. Court. There's a different rumbling going on. I'm wondering too, (laughs) because it's Monarch, I'm wondering how close they're going to stick to established lore or Uh, if they're going to do their own thing, if they're going to go back through all that stuff. Since this is taking place several decades earlier, are we going through all of the things that Monarch found and sticking with a whole bunch of the stuff that was previously determined in the movies? Are those canon? Are they not canon? Is Ken Watanabe going to be in there? Don't fail me, Apple. Yeah. Please. That that might reset everything if this is really bad. Like a property that they get and it comes out is really bad. It might reset my thoughts on Apple. Just this one. Oh, come on. One Dang. project out yes. of like 15 Dang. that they've done? You know how many people love Godzilla and they undertake it yeah. and they let something pass that's bad? Don't get yeah. me wrong. Burn Apple down. It needs to be good. But I mean, if, if this is bad, <laughs> they'll be like 14 out of 15. I, and I, yeah, that's, I, that's better record. than anybody yeah. else. I mean, so I hopefully okay. it won't. It's what, look, eventually they're going to make a bad show. I'm the most important person I mean, in they the have. world. This I mean, better they have. I didn't like C. <laughs> I didn't like Jason Momoa. They didn't do it for me. Crowded Room really did well, not do well. Room? That's the Tom Holland one. <gasps> right. Yeah, and, you know what? You're right. I totally, yeah, for some reason, I thought that was yeah. on Peacock. Yeah. And it's I such, thought that was on Peacock. It's such a shame because, gosh, he and Amanda Seyfried are trying so hard to do something with that show. Isn't that the story, though? <laughs> Isn't that the story of almost every project Tom Holland has been in other than Spider-Man? Where you can see Tom Holland's putting everything into it, but He's so the good. movie is just not good. Yeah. yeah. Zendaya might come in here and punch you if you don't be quiet right now. Who? Zendaya? She, we're saying well, that I'm he's saying a great Tom guy. Oh, oh, okay. The stuff he's yeah. been has been He's bad. wonderful. I want a project that supports how wonderful I'm he is. I'm okay if Zendaya punches me in the face because that means Zendaya's touching me. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say lawsuit because she's wealthy. <laughs> anyway. That's Two sets that. of people. <laughs> oh, my God. We might have to cut that out. <laughs> I have to admit, that is a total ripoff of the joke that, what's the name of the coach on The Voice, the country singer who's been there every, every Oh, season. Blake, Blake, uh, Blake Shelton. Because on one season of The Voice, somebody said, which of the other judges would you want cutting your hair? And Blake, Blake Shelton said, well, Shakira. They're like, why? Because that would mean Shakira's touching me. <laughs> so I stole oh that. I stole that. Okay, anyway. Okay, that's good. With that down, guys, we need to still talk about Mario Brothers, not content with just being the biggest movie of the year. It's still marching on, setting new marks in Japan. Also, we've got a director's list and what that tells us about the upcoming Star Wars Ahsoka series. But before we get to that, we're going to take just a second here and thank a couple of the sponsors of today's episode of the John Campbell Show podcast, our friends at Rocket Money and Masterclass. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Rocket Money. Did you know that the average person has around 12 paid subscriptions and they might not even remember to subscribing to half of those? If you have no idea just how much you're spending each month, you need Rocket Money. It's this great app that tracks all of your expenses so you know exactly where your money is going. I recently just found out that over 80% of people have subscriptions that they've completely forgotten about. Seriously, think about how many free trials you subscribe to that you just probably never canceled. And that's why I'm such a big fan of Rocket Money, because I was one of those people. 
When I signed up to Rocket Money, I was stunned to find out that a gym I had belonged to in another city I lived in, I had still been paying my dues to for over two years. Also, that music subscription service I use, yeah, I forgot I was subscribed to two other ones. That's where Rocket Money comes in because Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. With over 3 million users and counting, Rocket Money customers have saved on average of $720 a year. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash campia. That's rocketmoney.com slash campia. Rocketmoney.com slash campia. We want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of this video, Masterclass. Guys, you know, as a small business owner, I am finding myself having to be in negotiations all the time, whether it's with new contractors, vendors, or even agencies that represent our company. Now, I don't like to go into these negotiations unarmed, so I found the perfect class on Masterclass, The Art of Negotiation by Chris Voss, a real-life former FBI lead hostage negotiator. Taking this class on Masterclass made me feel a lot more equipped and confident going into all these various negotiations. I have to do on a regular basis. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. An annual membership starts at just $10 a month, and you get unlimited access to every instructor, thousands of online lessons, exclusive content, insight, and much more. There are over 180 classes to pick from, everything from filmmaking with Martin Scorsese all the way to cooking with the great Gordon Ramsay. In Masterclass, you will find practical lessons that you can apply to your life and work. So guys, get unlimited access to every class. And right now, as a John Campia Show listener, you can get 15% off when you go to masterclass.com slash campia. That's masterclass.com slash campia for 15% off an annual membership. Masterclass.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Rocket Money and Masterclass for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show Fartcast. All right, sorry. A little something that Ray said earlier. All right, with that down, inside joke, let's move on here, shall we? We're going to talk about this next. You know, Mario Brothers, we haven't talked about Mario Brothers in a while, except for in the context that, you know, Barbie continues to catch up to it, hunting down that number one spot. But as of right now, Mario Brothers is still the number one film movie of the year. And it continues to add money. It's, it's still out there in some international markets because according to Deadline now, Mario Brothers has crossed the $100 million mark in Japan. We all knew it was going to be big in Japan. But that number may not sound very big to us in the North American market, but it's major in Japan. Deadline said this. With Tuesday's grosses, Illumination slash Nintendo slash Universal's The Super Mario Brothers movie has crossed the $100 million mark, 13.74 billion yen, in Japan. In doing so, it becomes Universal's top title ever in Japan. In local currency, Mario overtakes Top Gun Maverick as the number six Hollywood film of all time in Japan and is the number one studio picture since the beginning of the pandemic. Look, we all completely believed and knew that Mario Brothers was going to be big in Japan, but now becoming the number one picture ever in the country of Japan for Universal and the number six all-time Hollywood film there for an animated film, that's pretty damn good. I think there's a couple of things there, though, that I, I think are pretty informative for us, though. Number one is that Mario Brothers is still out there. It's still working on trying to pad that lead it's got over Barbie. Now, it's 
making nickels to the dollar now compared to what it was when it was in the heart of its release, but still, still out there making money. But I think the second thing is, I think it's going to catch some people by surprise that making $100 million is enough for a major Hollywood studio's number one all-time film in that market. You know, a lot of people, I, I was having this discussion with somebody in the comments section, actually, about how, well, such and such movie hasn't even opened in Japan or Korea yet, and that could add another half a billion dollars. It's like, hmm, got to understand that these, as movie markets, those markets don't generate those types of dollars. That's not what it is. So I think that's going to remind some people about that too. But Mario continues to It's doing great on Peacock for uh, NBC Universal and their streaming service, Peacock. It's just, again, it's not going to be my favorite animated film of the year. It's not going to be in my top 10 final films of the year. But this was a charming, delightful, really good, out of the gate, first time Nintendo's done a movie since the old live action uh, Mario Brothers movie back when we were kids. I mean, it's just another testament to its success. Number one universal film of all time in Japan. Congratulations to them as they continue to desperately try to stay ahead of Barbie. Anyway, Chris, you read this story. What, what, what are the things that stand out to you the most in this? This movie has gone farther than I think anyone thought possible. Oh, yeah. It is just dominating still. And it did premiere later in Japan and everything, too, and it's still out there. But this is incredible. It does speak, too, to this the, the global love of Super Mario Brothers. If you think that Americans love Mario, hang on to your butt. Oh, yeah. Because, man, Japanese markets love all of the Mario games and everything. They have such a deep love. The Universal Mario World was over there first and was really kind of setting the standard for how that was going to be run and everything. So he's a cultural icon that's really part of their zeitgeist as well. So I think it's really cool that this little Italian plumber has made such an impact. And in Japan, if I'm not, I'm going to see a race, or Jonathan, maybe you can see if you can find a picture of this, but... In Japan, they actually have Mario Kart tracks Yep, that you can actually go and race in a Mario Kart. I'm not talking about the virtual one like they have at Universal Studios Hollywood. No, you're in a car. By the way, have you been to that yet? Yes. Wasn't that a fun little oh ride? Oh my gosh, it's so fun. That virtual Mario Kart race, that was really that. well done. Problem is you got to stand in line for three hours to yep. get into it. But, gotta, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ray. I got to say that even, let's say, if Barbie does overtake Mario, let's not take away from um, Mario's accomplishment. A lot of us, or a many, I've heard, I heard a lot of people say, why do we even need a Mario movie when it was first, like, when it was first planned? So let's just give it up for Barbie, Mario, all the ones that actually exceeded expectations. I remember yeah. when, I, when we put out that video, like a month and a half before Mario came out, we put out the YouTube short where I said, Mario Brothers is going to be the number one film movie of the year. It's going to be the number one box office film of the year. Now, after it came out huge, a bunch of people said, well, yeah, we all kind of knew it would. Bull. Because when we put that video out, <laughs> I got so much pushback on that video when I said that. Now, it, ultimately, it may not end up being the number one film of the year. Barbie may very well catch it. It's definitely on track and on pace to catch it and pass it. Oh, is that... Is that the from the they, one in Japan? They do, they do tours like throughout, yeah, Japan, like on the streets. But they actually do also have official tracks where you can mm. go. It's yeah. Oh my, and, you can do Mario Kart running through yeah. the streets yeah. of Japan. That's the because that's what I've seen. I'm like, oh. wow, that seems cool. You know, I always want to visit Japan, but if 
with my luck, I'll go there and then the kaiju come out. So, <laughs> and then the kaiju. Like, I'm right, always scared of it. It's like the smallest worried island. about the kaiju. It'll be the kaiju where you're going to get blue shelled real bad, or man. Something like that. I always like, I want to go there, but watch. The time I go there, it's going to snow where it never snowed, ever. <laughs> or it's going to, kaiju are going to come out. <laughs> They're only going to attack Japan. <laughs> um, anyway, all right. With that down, guys, let's move on to this, shall we? Uh, you know, I'm very excited for this Ahsoka series, which which is odd for those of you who follow me. You know, like up to about like two years ago, I didn't like the Ahsoka character like at all. I find it to be the most overrated, infuriatingly <laughs> annoying, stupid character in Star Wars. Come on, Sky Guy. Come on, Sky Guy. <laughs> Somebody kill that kid. Anyway. They tried. But then Rebels came along. And I really enjoyed Rebels. And then they brought in the Ahsoka character. And I I never liked Ahsoka in Clone Wars. But the way they used the character in Rebels, I started, you know, you know, I'm softening on this character. I'm actually liking several of the things they do with the character and all that kind of stuff. And then Rosario Dawson took over the mantle of it. And I loved what we saw with her in... Uh, on Disney plus so far to the point that I'm now legitimately excited, partially because I've warmed up a lot on the Ahsoka character, at least the current iteration of the character, but also because it's basically the next season of rebels yeah. and I loved rebels. So I'm really looking forward to all that. Yes. Very concerned about their sporadic run times. Like they don't seem to know how to put a TV show together. That being said, I've got a lot of enthusiasm and they just put out who's directing. They put out a director's list and I got to tell you, it's made me even more excited. Now, Dave Filoni is, you know, the creator of the Ahsoka character, is directing episodes one and five. And by the way, we said on the show the other day that this, this is a six-episode thing. It's not. It's eight episodes. So two more episodes than what we thought. So it's an eight-episode season. Dave Filoni is going to do one and five. Again, being very conservative, I love his approach to this in how much he takes on trying to direct live action, right? Because remember, before Mandalorian, he'd never directed anything live action before in his life. And he's got like the best attitude in the world. I remember the behind the scenes of Mandalorian, they showed him on set of the, you know, when he was going to be directing an episode and he goes, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. That thank God I got John Favreau here. It's like, you know what? A guy with that kind of attitude is limitless in what their potential is. That kind of attitude, it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I need to soak up and learn. There's no telling how good this guy can be. Anyway, so it's taking it very slow. And I think a lot of people thought Dave Filoni would just come out and direct the whole series. But instead, he's showing the wisdom beyond his years. He's like, nope, I'm just going to do a couple of the episodes. I'm going to do the first episode to set the tone. I'm going to do one other episode. And they've got together a really nice list of other directors. Take a look at this. Steph Green, who was one of the directors on Watchmen, uh, of course, also one of the directors in Book of Boba Fett. We all know what we think of Book of Boba Fett around here. Not so good. But Watchmen uh, is directing the second and third episodes. Peter Ramsey, one of the directors of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and uh, he's done some work on Mandalorian, is going to be doing the fourth episode. Jennifer Getzinger from Daredevil and Westworld will be directing the sixth episode. Geta Vasant Patel from House of the Dragon is going to be doing the seventh episode. And Rick uh, Famuia is going to be doing the, uh, I believe, the final episode as well. Of course, he's got a lot of experience working on the Star Wars Disney Plus shows. And he's done, his episodes have all been good. So 
I got to tell you, I look at this. This is a really legit, nice lineup of seasoned, not just seasoned television directors, but ones that have had success, ones that have had success with genre television. Again, it doesn't mean the series is going to be great, but this is definitely a good sign. I really like this lineup of talent they have here. Chris, I mean, you know, with genre stuff, animation, this is basically a live action version of an animation, stuff like that. In any medium, directors are so important. Obviously, they play a bit of a different role on television than they do in, in a movie. But you take a look at this lineup. Does this look like a good lineup to you? Does it make you more hopeful for the series? I don't know. What do you think about it? This looks like a killer lineup. And the one who I am most excited about is Gita Patel on here. She is such an interesting director who has a very varied background of work. So she was on House of the Dragon. She did the Lord of the Tides episode, which is such a good episode. And her, you know how they do the little making of this episode at the end of the episode? Her mm-hmm. little bit in that was like one of the best Wonderful. of the season. She's also hilarious. Yes. She handles comedy really, really well. Her husband's a comedic actor as well. Um, she's done everything from The Magicians to The Great to Pea Valley. So she has a very, very diverse range of what kind of shows she's worked on. And I think that's something that's so interesting to bring into the Star Wars world, which you see with a lot of these directors on this list too, is people who are really great at world building, but really great at making it very grounded and relatable so even in something as fantastical as house of the dragon it's succession it's a political drama and in that episode in particular we're really leaning into politics and family drama yeah this show because it is so intrinsically tied to political mayhem you know that's that's really all star wars is at the end of the day is uprising from governments i think she's a really really cool pick for this along with all these other great great directors i'm really excited and right now we're one week away. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of weird. You know, it's it's weird. I was thinking about this morning. It's weird that Blue Beetle's here. I still remember when we announced they Warner Brothers is doing a Blue Beetle movie. And today's the day we're going to see that. And it's like, we've been talking about Ahsoka for so long. Well, you, you got to go back to that famous Disney investors live stream thing when they announced Ahsoka. That was years ago. And here we are. It's coming out next week. Very, very excited to see it. You know what? I said I was done with Disney Plus midnight screenings. (laughs) I think I'm going to have to at least do the initial episode. I think I'm going to have to at least do the kickoff episodes. Mm. uh, Do the midnight screening Mm. of that. Just just to see. Just to see. Yeah, just to see. Yeah, this is. I'm done with it with Marvel stuff. <laughs> but I'm gonna at least try it with this one and see. 8 a.m. with my brekkie. <laughs> you don't. That's you don't have to do tell it. everybody. You know, you could watch it and then just quietly just <laughs> go ahead. No, <laughs> you don't have to make promises I'm to it. I'm gonna do the <laughs> screening of it. I, I, I'm 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 actually legitimately not looking forward to it. That I'm not gonna want to wait to the next morning. I'm gonna want to stay up. I'm gonna have Ray come over, barbecue oh, oh some stuff, some late yeah. night oh, barbecue. You get to stay up later. This is, oh my god. And no, uh, I can't wait, wait to meet this rebel. Crew like I always do. Yeah, yes. everyone talks about because I didn't watch the animated series. So same thing with the One Piece series come out. Hopefully, I like it enough where I'll go back and watch where these characters came from, which is Rebels, and which is what you guys say. I is might assign you to watch Rebels. Before You're not. I, ass- <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have to assign you for this. You know, for the for the for the, for the love of the game, for the work, practice. Yeah, practice. Yes. Talk about practice. <laughs> okay, Alan. All right. 
With that down, guys, we are now going to go over and start taking questions from our YouTube channel members. Now, before we go and get to that, we're going to take another quick moment here and thank another sponsor of today's episode, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, the great folks at Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone. But now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills. Like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just $15 a month. You guys know before I I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at mint mobile for sponsoring this episode of the john campus show podcast okay guys with that down let's get into the questions and topics that our youtube channel members have sent in by the way you can become one of our youtube channel members it's a great way to support all the stuff that we do here on the show but you also get access to custom emojis we get town hall meetings once in a while you get an ad free version every day of the john cavis show podcast and you exclusively get to send in topics and questions for our show and podcast anyway let's go over now and listen to what they have to say chris what do we got up first from Red One Real Talk, it doesn't look like uh, look like great, but it doesn't look that great. But I mm-hmm. may check out Liam Neeson's new movie just to hear his incredible voice. He has one of the most delicious voices in Hollywood, which had me wondering: Do you have any favorite voices or voice talents in film and TV? I mean, obviously, you're right. Liam Neeson does have a great voice, and that's mm-hmm. why, like, I remember back when they did the original Lion Witch in the Wardrobe movie and they announced Liam Neeson was the voice of Aslan, and it's like, well, Aslan, it's like that was perfect. A um, couple of the great ones. Obviously, James Earl Jones is one of them. Um, oh, I just had his uh, his name in right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, uh, Jeremy Irons. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Irons. Incredible. One of the best voices today. I want to say Jeffrey Wright from the dark from mm. the, oh, the yeah. Robert oh, yeah. Pattinson Batman movie. Jeffrey Wright's voice. You know who I? Like oh, and him? he was the voice of the uh, the Beyonder in. Uh, is it was it the Beyonder? No, Watcher? one of the Watchers. Watcher. Yeah, in um, uh, what if? Marvel's What If? Mm-hmm. His voice is so awesome, incredible, so great. And you always know this guy's name because I, I I don't know his last name. It's the guy who plays like the dad in the House Party movies, Kevin Kevin. Uh, I don't even know the House Party movies. Oh, uh, he's always like the like the mean dad. Oh, was he mind. in Friday? I don't remember. Oh, it could be the dad and Friday. Well, now that you mention uh, Kevin, though, none of you will know this person. I don't think many of you will. Kevin, I think the way you pronounce Kevin's last name is Giroux. He was, if you guys saw Underworld, he was the huge, bald, black werewolf dude. Because he's got a voice like this. Like, he's he's got, oh my God, his voice is like, Thunder. Like, it's just such a great, great voice. He's a comic book artist and all that kind of stuff, too. Follows me on Facebook. 
but I can't remember how to pronounce his last name. Anyway, he's got a super voice too. Anybody, anybody else has got like a super amazing voice that... Those are just the ones that come off the top of my I head. I think, Ray, are you thinking of Keith David? Keith David. Oh, yeah. Keith David. Keith yeah, David has a like, killer he, voice. Yeah, because he did... Um, He's the dad in What About Mary? Yeah, yeah. There's a comic book uh, documentary on uh, that was playing on... He's uh, in Platoon. National... Uh, not that, but the Discovery Channel about like... And didn't he do the narration of the Marines commercials? I like that. That sounds right. The the strong. Thank you, Chris. He's what I was going to say because he's Goliath and Gargoyles, and he was always just so good in that. There you go. That I live again. I always forget his name. Mm -hmm. Just like the guy in uh, Disturbia. That one dude. I can tell you forgot his name. The villain. Oh, um, Morse. Morse. David Morse. Yeah, David Morse. (laughs) Yeah, I love David Morse. He's great. Both them two, I always forget their names. Not as iconic as a voice as Keith David, but a really good one nonetheless. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? From Red One Real Talk, what did you think of the Apple TV series Invasion? It had mixed reviews at launch, which turned me off, but I'm hearing great things about season two, which starts next week. Do you recommend taking the plunge, or should I save myself to complete a binge of Foundation and to all mankind? For all mankind, right? All right, I got to tell you, I was looking forward to Invasion. I tapped out after four or five episodes. Yeah, I couldn't take Rob, it anymore. It, that that was shocking that Rob yeah, But you out enjoyed there. it, right? I liked it. I liked it a lot. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, but if it's between that and For All Mankind, wouldn't you say, like, tell him to go do For All Mankind? <laughs> yeah, but Invasion's only one season. For All Mankind, that's like three seasons. Well, there's no Invasion's two seasons now. Oh, no, no, no. Like, should he binge the first season? Oh, okay. Yeah, Before but, uh, listen, Foundation's really yeah, good. Yeah, I hear Foundation is Foundation's good really good. Ann and I really, really like Foundation. I I would recommend giving Invasion a pass, but keep in mind, like, yeah. Ray really liked it. There are or some other people that like too. it. So. Who cares? All right, what's next? From Kayak, I've never watched Clone Wars or Rebels, but looking forward to Ahsoka. I even rewatched episodes of Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett where she appeared. I hope the show will be good, especially now when Secret Invasion fell on its face. <laughs> I would, like, look, listen, I haven't seen Ahsoka, so I don't know if this is true, but I think you would be serving yourself very well if you try to go back and at least watch Rebels. Because this is, Dave Filoni's acknowledged, this is essentially the next season of Rebels. Do I think you'll be lost without watching Rebels? Hopefully not. Again, I haven't seen Ahsoka, I don't know for sure. But I do know you're probably going to get a lot more out of the series if you do go back and and watch Rebels first. And I think you'll be glad that you did. It's a really good series. All right. What's next? From Amid. So Lion King is my all-time favorite Disney classic film. But up there, maybe top three or five, is Hercules. Where does it rank for you? I Can Go the Distance is one of my favorite songs out of all the Disney classic films. Any updates on the live-action version of the film? I can go the distance. It was like on the tail end of their gold, of their kind of like... Yeah, it was. The Renaissance kind of thing. Yeah, the Renaissance. And isn't that the one that the Russo brothers said they were going to be working on? Was it the Hercules one? Is that that what they were going to do? I think the Russo brothers were going to be working on the Hercules thing. Let's see. They need... Honestly, I haven't really liked much of what the Russos have done since their MCU. Yeah, you're right. Remember because of the TikTok thing the hercules tiktok thing oh right right right, yeah yeah. oh yeah um i'll be honest with you i liked hercules but it was a quickly forgotten one for me so it it doesn't rank up there for me personally but i I liked the film i thought it was all right i know chris what about you i love that movie so much i think it's wonderful it is Made to be a Broadway musical. It is so, so fun. And talk about iconic voices, too. The woman who plays Megra in that has one of the best speaking voices, singing voices. She's also in Steven Universe. And I'm totally blanking on her name right now. But gosh, her voice is incredible. Now, help me out here. My recollection is a little rough on this. Wasn't the guy 
the guy who was the tick in the live action TV series, not the most recent one, but the one that was on Fox. And he was, he's the voice of Joe, the one, Patrick the guy Warburton. in the wheelchair. Putty from Seinfeld. Yeah, What's Patrick his name? Warburton. Was he a voice in that Hercules movie? He is in Emperor's New Groove. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. You're right. That was Emperor's New Groove. Yes, yes, yes. He's crunk. Oh, that Always crunk. go to Chris when you need answers about, about Barbara voices. Barry? Is that her name? Well, who, what, who's trying, playing I'm Hercules? Gonna, she played Meg. Oh, oh Susan Egan. Susan Egan. Yeah, yes. Egan. Okay. Yeah. Her voice is incredible. All right. What's next? From Joel. Just finished the Bear season one. Oh. Jeremy's performance at the beginning of the finale where he's monologuing about his brother at AA was incredible. I don't know much about editing, but it was an unmoving close-up shot of his face for the whole speech, so it appeared like it was done in one shot. If so, super impressive. Here's the thing about editing. Editing is not about rapid cuts. The creative choice to leave one shot up on screen, because that's what's going to elicit the most out of that shot, you go 45 seconds without a cut, that is an edit decision. Great editing is about understanding which shots elicits the emotions, whether it's humorous, fun, excitement, sadness, introspection, whatever. Whatever is is the creative process of picking the shot that most effectively elicits that emotion. And your sequence of shots, which will bring the audience along. You know, it's often said that um, movies are made in the edit room. And I, I think that's true. Editing changes everything. And the editing in something like Bear, people will think of the Bear and they won't think editing. But when you really sit down and watch it, you realize the, the editing in this is fantastic. They always know the right shot, where to be, where to linger, when to move, all that kind of stuff. It's great. And that series is fantastic. All right, what's next? Uh, from Munisharid2586, John, I did the math yes, discussed yesterday. Sobering. Spider-Man, No Way Home, budget estimated at 200K. No, making- it's not. 200 no, million. No. Maybe 200 million. Okay. He really not yeah. 200 All right. I was like, whoa, they did That'd that really cheap. the greatest cheap. indie film <laughs> stretching the budget ever. Yeah. 200 million, making worldwide 1.922 billion. Last five DC, budget estimated at 960 million, million. Yeah. making worldwide 1.843 billion. Added marketing for the one MCU film versus the five DC. Ouch. Uh, yeah, we were talking about this yesterday. I think it was Jonathan that pointed out we were going through the listings. Let me see if I can if I can bring it up here. I think it was in yesterday's thing. Yes, here it is. Okay, so if we look at the last seven, I mean, I don't even think the last five made one point eight billion. I say so six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, but four plus four eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. There's no way. The last five did not make 1.8 billion. Yeah. No. Uh, maybe the last seven? Maybe one. I, I, look, but the funny thing was, we were talking about the the overall box office performance of the last five years of Disney Plus films or of uh, DC film, DCEU films. And Jonathan pointed out, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home made more than the last seven movies combined. It's like, holy crap, you're right. You're right. It, it, the, the numbers are staggering. It's absolutely staggering. Like, and one of the things we pointed out was, again, in the last five years, these last seven movies, not a single one of them got to $400 million. And I can't remember the last Marvel movie that didn't crack $400 million. Like, I think we had to go all the way back to Captain America, Mm -hmm. the first Avenger. 
Like, oh, crazy numbers, man. Crazy numbers. All right, what's next? From Sam Fisher. This is probably the dumbest reason to want this, but I really want either Ethan Peck or Zachary Quinto in the next Mission Impossible movie because Leonard Nimoy starred in the original TV series. LOL. Not the best reason to want them, but I'll tell you what, I love Zachary Quinto. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. And by the way, I think Peck does a great job as Spock in Strange New Worlds, but I, ever since Heroes, I've loved Zachary Quinto. I think that dude's awesome. I've had the privilege of hanging out with him a little bit. He was even great. Oh, what was that movie um, about the housing market crash and they were this uh, brokerage and, oh, I'm forgetting the name of it now. The anyway. It had Kevin Spacey in it. Oh, wait. And it had, anyway, uh, uh, Margin Call? Oh, I, I want to see, look it up. See if, yeah. if Margin Call, if that's why. I think that was called Margin Call, but he was terrific in that. I think that, I think this guy should be an A-list actor right now. I, I just think he's incredible. So I would just love to see him in that just for that, but not because of any connection to Leonard Nimoy. By the way, um, I was, I'm not going to try to look it up right now, but I got to hang out with Zachary Quinto. He came to one of my um, uh, Comic-Con parties the day they announced to the world that he was going to be the new Mr. Spock. And he came to our party that night and it was just, we just do big celebration. Some of the other cast members from Heroes came as well to celebrate with them and all that kind of stuff. It was a really, really cool moment. I love Mm -hmm. that guy. And was that the name of the movie, Ray? Margin Call? I'm still trying to look it up. Uh, None of these sound like a... It would be, do you remember what year it was in? I don't uh, know. Hmm. Well, when I find it. Oh, Margin Call. It is Margin Call. 2011. Okay. 2011 film. Yeah, yeah. Really good movie, guys. You should completely check it out. It's it's pretty fantastic. All right. Let's do two more. What's next? From Andy Strong. Hey, John. I was planning to see the Billion Dollar Beetle at my local Everyman Cinema here in the UK at the weekend. However, they're only showing the film at a lower number of cinemas than normal. This is a reasonably large cinema chain here, and it appears they're sticking with Barbie for many of its showings. Do you think Barbie's success and DC's lack of it recently could hit the Blue Beetle movie more than expected? No. See, here's the thing. It's okay. Like, the movie not playing in as many theaters as you expected only impacts it if the theaters it's in are selling out. If the theaters it's playing in is selling out and it's not in more theaters, that affects it. But the reality is those theaters are not going to be sold out. I'm sure you're going to find the odd screening here and there. They're going to be sold out. But then if your seven o'clock screening is sold out, they're going to have a nine o'clock screening. That's not, you know what I'm saying? The movie is only projected to make about $30 million. Yeah. This is going to, going to be another phenomenon. Come on. The blue beetle, the blue Barbie. I mean, but here's, here's a problem. A lot of people think, well, if the movie played in 2000 theaters and made $5 million, if it played in 4,000 theaters, it would have made $10 million. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. You don't just plug people in. Yeah, that's just spreading out the amount of people who want to see it over a wider number of theaters. The reality is they're playing it in the amount of theaters that is more than easily going to accommodate 30 or $40 million worth of business. And if it only does 30 or $40 million worth of business, that means the number of theaters it plays in really isn't playing it. Unless there's entire major cities that it's not playing in, which is not the case. Major cities. All right. Last question of the day. What's next? Okay. From the Super Ranger Mud Truck. With the writers and actors strike going on, can shows like America's Got Talent, The Voice, and other competition shows still shoot? Or is that also on pause? My, I don't, I, I don't know the definitive answer to this. My thought would be that those shows can still, I don't think they're written shows. I think I, there's elements that are written. Well, 
But but I don't think the elements that are written are written by WGA members necessarily. Those mm. reality television tends to be non-union, but sometimes coaches and singers and things on those shows are union members. That's what I was going to bring up. The yeah. only question I would have is if uh, what's the what's the main guy's name on the, the Voice? The, the main no the main judge of like America's Got Talent, X Factor, Simon, Simon Cowell. Simon Cowell. I don't know if Simon Cowell's an. Uh, uh, a SAG member. I don't know I if he's a Screen it. Actors Guild member. I'm guessing um, Joe Mangianello's now ex-wife. Uh, she does the voice of the couch. Oh yeah, Sophia. So, Sophia Vergara. Oh no, they broke up. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they announced they announced yeah. a few weeks or a couple of months ago oh that they're splitting gosh. up. I know, broke my heart. But I, she certainly would be a member of SAG, so she couldn't yeah. do it. Howie Mandel's. So it depends. They could bring in other judges and still do it. Like. But as long as they're not using SAG or WGM members, those shows could continue. Yeah. That's why we usually do have an uptick in reality shows, which right now, several reality television stars are talking about how they should unionize and they should have union contracts put in place for their shows. Because um, people like Bethany Frankel, who's done the Real Housewives stuff over on Bravo, um, she's been pushing for it. And a lot of them have been talking about how little money they are paid, the hours they are kept up, how a lot of times on these shows, too, things like Love is Blind, which I love because it's a train wreck. Apparently, it's also like they try to keep you awake longer than you should be. They don't always feed you. They highly encourage you to drink heavily. It's a bunch of stuff that yeah. leads to the show being very dramatic and messy, but at the cost of people's health and mental health. The crews, however, are IOTSI. That's yes. the kind of interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, which is always weird. when I did stuff for like Kardashians, Jenner, and I got mm -hmm. the, I actually like, I almost call it an honor to work with IOTSI, like, uh, you know, just riggers and whatever yeah. cameramen and this and that. And it's just like working on a union set. You really, from a production nerd standpoint, you're like, wow, you guys have everything together. Here, yeah. Man. It's awesome. It's so nice. They're it's so like put a together. Regimented army. It's yeah. crazy. Now, some of you guys may, may or may not know that before, like obviously Jonathan worked with us a long time ago on AMC and Collider, but then before coming to work with us here at uh, John Cam show, he was, literally driving out to the Kardashians' houses mm -hmm. and working working with the Kardashians before he came over here. Yep. Yep. Jonathan picked us, everybody. And I was just driving to the Kardashians' houses. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't was driving working. and hanging out in front of them. I'm just, you know. Just it's all out connected. <laughs> all right, guys. And that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campion Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to our YouTube channel members. Uh, number one, for being channel members and supporting what we do here, but also for sending in those topics. We appreciate it a lot. Don't forget, guys, to subscribe to our podcast feed. You can find the John Campion Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app of choice. Go and sign up to it today. I want to thank everybody in the room with me. Ray Ora. <laughs> John, Jonathan Boyko. Oh, it's Godzilla. That's supposed to be Blue Oh, Eagle? that's right. It's a Godzilla. Hey. And of course, Chris Carr. Bye. My name's Sean Campy, everybody. And until next time, my friends, bye bye. <laughs>